From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to the show as we get going here on Sports Talk. We've got uh, a full one today. Three hours with you today. Excited about that. In fact, in hour one, Alberto Wichapa is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit uh, with Alberto on El Paso Locomotive FC, their final matchup tomorrow. By the way, speaking of tomorrow, New Mexico State will be in action. Mario Mocha will join us also in our 4 o'clock hour, around 4.45, to preview the game coming up tomorrow with FIU and New Mexico State. Then in our 5 o'clock hour, it's Bernie Olivas and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. And in our 6 o'clock hour, super excited with Nelson and Juan from Tex-Mex Coins. They're going to stop in and join us. Brand new store on the west side that opened up a couple months back. We're going to talk to them about a lot of different things. Uh, sports card collecting, coin collecting, and Nelson who is also a AAU basketball official, has a terrific story that he's going to share involving one of the members of the NBA on TNT team that he had a chance to encounter at a recent tournament. That's all coming up in our 6 o'clock hour of the show. So excited about that. First, uh, I want to apologize to all of you today. So the deal is this. Because the Rangers have aired, on the other sports station locally, all season long, we were blacked out from airing that game today against Tampa Bay. I had no idea that they wouldn't even be airing the game for whatever reason. So you were you, were, you had to listen to ESPN Podcast Central, which is just, oh, my, I, I feel bad for you. Listening to some weird theme play over and over and over again for like five minutes at 10 till the hour is just not right. And do, I have no idea why that's even why that's even programmed the way they do it. I don't know why they don't even have live hosts on days like today when there's wild card games, but there should be at least some kind of uh, network hosting is beyond me. And, Um, I had no idea until I listened to it, and oh my God. Yeah, I apologize, folks, because that is this, uh, you you know, ESPN Radio, for their podcast library, should have a much easier time filling an hour than playing some ridiculous theme over and over and over again ad nauseum until you're ready to change the channel, and that's just not right. You deserve better than that, um, which is why, if I would have known that, we would have come on at 2 o'clock till 7 instead of 4 o'clock. Hopefully ESPN Radio gets their act together tomorrow, or we can find a way to put that Texas-Tampa Bay game on the radio for you so you don't have to try to go through that one more time. But anyway, that was just how I wanted to start the show because I feel for all of you out there listening, and you deserve better than that. That's why, Adrian, we'll just do our best today for three hours. Guarantee you this, you're not going to hear some cockamamie song going back and forth over and over again in a ridiculous loop for five minutes while we're not on the air. That's right. The only uh, music you'll hear on this show is our return bed music. That's right, Steve. That's true. That's true. And if it lasts any longer than 30 seconds, that means we're either in the restroom or something's happened, but we'll be back soon enough and ready to go with you. So don't worry about that. We'll have you covered. Meanwhile, um, as we get ready for a big show today on 600 ESPN El Paso, um, the poll question that we asked yesterday during the show ended after we ended. But I need to give you the results of the poll. The poll from yesterday's show was, what do you think Utah football should do at this point of the season at 1-5? in five? 
a remarkable 247 of you voted. 247. That's a good number for us, Adrian. I mean, normally we're somewhere, if we have a, if we have a pretty good poll question, we're somewhere in the hundreds. Let's be honest. 200 plus usually means it's a topic that a lot of people want to chime in on. It was compelling, Steve. People wanted to voice their thoughts on this one right here. They did. They absolutely did. So the question is, what do you think Utah football should do at this point to the season at 1-5? and five? We gave you three choices. One was, be patient, wait for 2024. One was, wait till the season is over. And the third, fire the head coach now. Believe it or not, 10.9% of you that chimed in said, wait until 2024 be patient. 10.9%, which equates to probably about 26 to 27 people out of the 249 that voted. 32.4%, which is probably about 80 votes, said wait until the season is over. And that means about 130, 140 of you voted in fire Dana Dimmel now. And that just gives you an idea of where people are at right now, six games in, with this program. Gives you a little idea. We talked about it yesterday for a good chunk of the show. We took phone calls on it at a good point of the show. Um, I said yesterday that Dana Dimmel's contract is structured. Or his base for next year. He's under contract through the end of the 2024 season. So one more year after this year. His base is $850,000. But the contract is worded that if UTEP does not go bowling, either in 2022 or 2023, and if the school wanted to make a change, they could essentially uh, buy out Dana Dimmel at 65% of his base. If you do the math, it's about $550,000. But Adrian, five games in, one in five, mathematically this team could still win a bowl. They can still go to a bowl. I mean, they're still they're they're not ruled out yet. In fact, until they have seven losses, and that's that probably would be it. Although there are even some bowl teams that go at five and seven because of their APR score. I know I've seen that. In the, if you don't have enough bowl teams that are six and six or, or over, they will take five and seven teams if necessary. So to me, if UTEP is going to look to explore a potential change in leadership after this season, they are not going to do it at a point where they're going to have to spend full boat to try to buy uh, their head coach out. They would probably do it when they know that there is no chance that they could go to the postseason. And even though most fans will tell you, well, there's no chance now. From a contract standpoint, there is a chance. And that would mean uh, you know, an extra $300,000 we're talking about here. Uh, 35% of the base. So I would think that UTEP will more than likely either A, wait a few more weeks or longer until that has officially been ruled out for a postseason, or like we discussed yesterday, wait till the end of the season, give him the opportunity to try to see if he can uh, you know, turn things around, and if not, and they've been ruled out, then they can go in another direction. So that is most likely the situation. And where it stands right now. And the only way I could even see something happen during the bye week would be if they sat down and came to a a financial agreement 
that made sense for all parties. Essentially break the contract and just do something different. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I really don't. I think that um, UTEP will most likely go through the rest of the year and then decide after the last game what will happen. Although years ago when Mike Price was in his final year, they announced with like four or five games left in the regular season that he would be retiring at the conclusion of what I believe was was it the 20, 2012 season, I think, something 13, like that, yeah. 2013 season. And that's when uh, you know Sean Coogler took over the program after that. But everybody kind of knew that Mike Price was going to be retiring before the season ended. There was no surprise there. So I could see that in play. There's so many things that could happen between now and the end of the season. But for people thinking that something is going to happen immediately, uh, we talked about it yesterday. We'll say it again uh, financially and, and in a lot of other reasons why. Just don't see that even being a possibility at this point. I think that they're going to try and, and make the most of the situation. And if things don't work out and they uh, do get eliminated from postseason play here in the coming weeks following the bye, uh, then you can get into that discussion about what to do. Yeah, interesting part is uh, today, USA Today actually had their coaches pay. Uh, they actually revealed how much uh, every coach across college football who reports on it makes on a yearly basis. And they actually had a column on it, Steve. This is uh, USA Today, coach's salary. I know we've obviously discussed this, and mm-hmm. don't worry, there's no one calling in. It's a crank caller. Uh, oh, okay, I picked it up three Appreciate different that. times, so don't worry thank about you. it. Right. Uh, the right. school buyout, as of 12-1-23, so December 1st of 2023, that is currently listed for Dana Dimmel on this, this is per uh, USA Today, was listed at $667,292, which is a different number than that 550 uh, range, right, range that we think it is for that total buyout. When I saw that figure thrown out there, I was confused because I was like, what do they know that we don't know on our side? And another point to make about this Usually when this list comes out, Dana Dimmel is among the lowest right now in uh, coaches paid in Conference USA. Well, because of the restructuring in the conference, now uh, Florida International's coach, New Mexico State's head coach, Jerry Kill, and Sam Houston State's coach, fall below the salary that uh, Dana Dimmel makes. So he used to be at the lowest part of Conference USA in terms of annual salary Mm -hmm. in conference USA. Now he's somewhere in the middle, which is kind of interesting. So now you could kind of look, whether it's Dimmel or another coach in the future, UTEP is paying right in the middle of uh, competitive salary in conference USA specifically. Well, look at what happened. All right. Nine schools left. And most of those nine schools all paid more than Dana Dimmel. And of course, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, New Mexico State, uh, would not. Liberty. Jacksonville State, one of the highest paying ones. What's, How about what's that? Jacksonville State pay? One million. Get out of I'm here. I'm not kidding. One million. Jacksonville That's what State I found is out in the million one. dollar range. I was shocked too. That was what I was shocked about when I read this article today. It was crazy. How about Liberty? Liberty did not report theirs. Jamie Chadwell does not have his salary uh, publicly uh, revealed right now. I would assume it's higher than a million. Oh, I would too. I would too. Well, Casey Keeler at six hundred thousand, Jerry Kill at six hundred thousand, uh, and then you've got Mike McIntyre of FIU said seven fifty, 
which really was the I think that was the salaries that started with Dana Dimmel. Correct. That's and then right. they've got him at eight twenty nine, but he bumps up to uh, eight fifty for next season. They've got him listed at eight ninety seven with his maximum bonus. I get that. All the bonuses kicked in, sure. But uh, next year, look, I've 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 read the contract over and over and over again, and if they were going to make a change uh, for next season, you'd be looking at uh, essentially five hundred and fifty-two thousand five hundred dollars. That's down right. to the penny. It's sixty-five percent of his eight fifty base is what it is. Yeah, and an interesting point is uh, I was just looking at Jamie Chadwell. You just asked me about Liberty. Uh, get this: four million a year, average out to four million a season. That's what he signed back in twenty thirteen, taking over from Hugh Freeze. But we know Liberty has money to spend, and that's Big what time. they're doing. Big time, four million a season when he when he started. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. That would put him right now in, uh, well, he'd be, ma- he'd be making a lot of money, wouldn't he? He'd be probably at, where would $4 million take him in terms of everybody? So if I, if I just broke that into the Big Ten, for example, he'd be the lowest paying coach in the Big Ten, but he'd be right there with uh, Ryan Walters from Purdue and Greg, Greg Schiano yeah. of uh, Rutgers, yeah. so he'd be right there. Yeah, that's, that's, still, that's still pretty Top good money. Top 50. Yep. He's making almost as much money as Joy McGuire's making at Texas Tech. That's pretty interesting. I mean, to know that hot name out of uh, Group of Five, Jamie Chadwell, who spent a lot of time with Coastal Carolina, revitalizing that program. He gets hired uh, after Hugh Freeze gets picked from Auburn to go over to Liberty, and they are willing to pay a lot of money over there at Liberty. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. So uh, that is an, it's an interesting topic. Definitely something to uh, to talk about uh, here on the show today, and just understand that you know. Um, once again, we can talk all we want about changes. Changes will not be made until they make sense financially for everybody involved. Okay, if that's where it comes down to, and if it gets to that point, which it very well could, some will say it's already at that point, which is fine, but. You know, you got to do the right thing, and that is make sure that it's uh, that that everything is financially beneficial to the university and to the coach. That's just what it comes down to. If it gets to that point, which is something we, we want to stress enough here on the show. That's yeah, that's a good point too, Steve. There's a lot of uh, season left. People would roll their eyes and t- you know if we say that the miners can reel off a big winning streak. I've I mean we've obviously seen crazier things happen in the world of sports, but uh, it's an uphill battle for the miners. I don't think that they're going to get to that point, Maybe. and I and I don't think that uh, you know at the end of the season we're talking about this uh, program positively. But if there needs to be a change, I think they reassess after the season's over. Completely agree with you. And in the meantime, right now they can start strategizing everything else and put everything else into play so all right 17 past we've got alberto coming up next we'll get uh, to a little uh, talk uh, with him on the final home match of the regular season for el paso locomotive fc tomorrow night and implications out at southwest university park that right after charlie one who has our first traffic update of the afternoon steven del paso metroplex what we have right now is 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right, folks, we've got one left, one regular season match left for El Paso Locomotive FC. It's the hoodie giveaway, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, It's also kicking cancer night as well. 
as uh, we get set for uh, what's going to be a terrific matchup. I mean, this is really, when you think about it, not just because of the promos, but because of the fact that, um, you know, this match means everything right now to El Paso Locomotive FC. Win, and they're that much closer to getting into the postseason against San Diego Loyal SC. As Alberto Wichapa joins us back again for uh, our weekly chat. Hey, you're almost like the Angela Olivas and Andy Emfeld <laughs> of Locomotive Soccer. Congratulations on that. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm starting to get recognized on the streets, believe it or not. I'll, I'll be walking around, and, and someone will be like, hey, I've seen you on TV, or hey, I've seen you at the games. I'm like, wow, is this is this what that Angela and Andy Emfeld uh, fame is like? It I'm is kind of liking it. it, it Name starting with an A. Yes, that's true. I never thought about that. Triple the A team. The A team continues <laughs> from Angela and Andy to Alberto. It's perfect. It works out great. Uh, well, listen. Welcome back. Uh, we got a win to talk about, but I also want to begin uh, with these hoodies. Now, we just had the opportunity to try this hoodie on, folks. I'm telling you right now. This will probably end up being the biggest giveaway of the season. Super comfortable. Um, they feel great. They look great. And I have a feeling, a good feeling, that uh, there are going to be a ton of people in line early tomorrow to be one of those first 1,500 to get their hands on the hoodie for the final giveaway of the year. I can, I can definitely guarantee that there's going to be people out there early. Uh, we're, I, I have, I'm not a betting man, but I bet people will probably start lining up around 4 p.m., you know, trying to get those those free hoodies. Like you said, these, these are quality, quality hoodies, and they're free. So, you know, whenever we're giving away things for free, who, who doesn't want Especially something Everybody. like a hoodie. Everybody it's does. Great. Adrian, I love the uh, way the gray with the blue goes together. The logo looks sharp and yellow and blue. It's perfect. My thing with hoodies are, is, number one, comfort, and number two, look. This has both of it. It has uh, the best look because it's a team that I love supporting in the Locomotive FC. And then it also is super comfortable. It's very thin, and I'm not. I'm somebody who uh, gets hot very easily. So this is definitely going to be in my cycle of wardrobe. Excess, the, uh, you know, in my wardrobe of w- things I wear pretty frequently. That so I'm excited. Awesome, man. We had um, to make sure to hook you up for the uh, just you know falls around the corner. I mean, it's already here actually. So we had to make sure to hook you guys up. Appreciate that. And by the way, I need to point this out too. Okay, um, it's going to be 78 this weekend. The temperatures are starting to drop a little bit now. The uh, low are going into the low 60s, upper 50s. So that's like the perfect weather for this hoodie. In other Sweater words, it's, it's not, it's right, it's not so cold where you need to have some thick, heavy hoodie. It's like that perfect weather that is not hot, not cold, right in between where this hoodie's stylish, trendy, and everybody's going to want one. So that's just, uh, that's just our take on that. Exactly. And I, and I love that take. That's a perfect take. All right. Well, let's talk about the team. Because uh, look what happened here uh, a few nights ago, okay? Uh, This was the second-to-last home match on Saturday, and we were wondering what would happen. What what would we see from this this club? Well, we saw a win like they needed it in the worst way possible, and they were able to get it and kind of keep their playoff hopes alive. Let's begin with that because this was a match in which uh, not only did uh, Locomotive FC win, uh, but they won in in dramatic fashion, three to two, to beat a very good Charleston Battery Club, and it was all about a comeback win. I mean, this was hey, you get a comeback, that really is what it's all about. They were down two one, they tied it at two, finished the job late, uh, and and sent everybody home happy. 
Exactly, man. No, that that match was as someone who you know works with the team. I think I think you know how hard it was for me to just sit in the press box and not celebrate, right? You know, as someone that works in the press box, you have to try to maintain neutrality, right? But oof, it was really difficult. It, it was a dramatic, intense win, and one that Locomotive really needed, uh, you know, to strengthen and solidify our uh, playoff chances. It, it was great, you know, the comeback wins haven't come that often this season, so to see it come against a team like a Charleston Battery, who's up in you know third in the Eastern Conference. Right. It, 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 it was incredible. It was incredible, an incredible show of spirit from the guys on Saturday night to, to finally get that win at home. You know, the, the eight-match winless streak at home has, has finally snapped, and, you know, that's going to carry over hopefully this tomorrow against San Diego Loyal. The boys are confident and, you know, motivated to, to get another dub in front of the fans, especially since it's our last regular season home match because, you know, mathematically, home playoff matches could still happen. But right now, for sure, this is definitely the last guaranteed home match. Let's play the clips. Here's the first goal of the match. Petrovic, the side-footed effort, scores! Now, Petrovic's first goal was about 32 minutes in, gave you the lead, mm-hmm. and that kind of got the crowd into it, didn't it? Oh, no, even before that, so that Charleston had a penalty kick a few minutes, like I think I want to say 10 minutes before before that, and they missed it. They skied it, hit the, the crossbar, and that really pumped everyone up, and I think that kind of fueled the guys even more on the pitch to get that result because, you know, when you miss a, when the opponent misses a penalty kick, you're like, okay, we got to take advantage of this because uh, they're going to be down on motivation, and, and thankfully Petar, you know, opened the scoring for us. Well, and then after that, uh, you fall behind, and about 45 minutes later, you're mm-hmm. down 2-1. to one. It's not looking good, and then all of a sudden this happens. Nicely done. Locomotive on the break, trying to get to Sanupe. Sanupe in for the goal. Beautifully done. Back on level terms. By the way, great job, uh, Sanupe, finishing it. But it was that lead pass that really set him up to get that goal. Oh, yeah. Calvillo is a class, class player. His ability to just, you know, open up space for himself and control the ball and and get that ball into Manny. That play would have started without Calvillo's, you know, class and quality as a midfielder. But we're also proud of Manny as well for for scoring that goal. You know, he uh, had a difficult time this season finding the back of the net. So to finally get a goal into the net and, and, you know, you know, equalize the match and, and you know, continue that fire within the team, uh, you know, is something we, we all love to see. So, you know, really, really deserved goal by many. 84th minute, all tied at two. Speaking of uh, Calvillo, he had a flair for the dramatic Saturday night. Garcia, well controlled. Nice outside of the boot to Petrovic. Garcia has an opening. Yanks that one in. It'll come for the third goal. Eric Calvillo rolls it in. Locomotive with an offensive explosion to take the lead. Duke Keith with the call. Um, by the way, Calvillo, right place, right time. Exactly. Petrovic, Calvillo, they had a big, big game together uh, here on, on Saturday. Exactly, exactly. Calvillo, is, uh, you know, uh, he was one of the men in the match for sure on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, he was even honored with Team of the Week for the USL Championship this week, which we just announced a few hours ago. So you really, really deserve that. But if, if it were up to me, you know, all three of those guys, you know, Manny, Petrovic, Calvillo, they would have made Team of the Week because the performance that they put up on Saturday was was clutch in terms of saving, you know, and solidifying our playoff chances as we head into this final stretch. More with Alberto as we continue here. But bottom of the hour, let's get back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Watching the Twins 
Battle Toronto, 3-1 the score right now. Bottom eight, and uh, 3-1 Minnesota, that is. Adrian, Minnesota looks good. I know, and Blue Jays have had their opportunities in this one, Steve. A lot of uh, runners stranded on bases and haven't been able to capitalize on any points on the board other than that one run. You know, Bernie Olivas didn't even realize the baseball playoffs started today because the Yankees have been ruled out for so long. He completely forgot that there's even a season right now. But the uh, longtime uh, executive director of the Sun Bowl uh, Association joins us for another edition of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Uh, welcome back. How are you? Hey, this is football season. Let's forget about baseball for right now, okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> I forgot about baseball about halfway through the season when the Yankees hit the skids. Mm-hmm. I know. If it was, And you want to know something? If the Yankees were in the playoffs right now, you'd be like, hey, it's baseball season, guys. Guys, let's get ready. Let's go. It's October. It's October. No, so football's been is going to be really good for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl this year. I can I can feel it just by what's going on with our two power conferences that we're going to have here with the ACC and the Pac-12. So so pretty excited. Fun games last week too. Terrific games, especially down to the wire games. That that Notre Dame Duke uh, contest was unbelievable, especially uh, how it ended on that last Notre Dame drive. You know, and, and Duke was undefeated going to that game, and they, their schedule hadn't been that tough, so it was going to be a real test for for Duke. Hey, they're for real. They yeah, are they for are real. Sam Hartman looked good. Yes, I mean, and, yes. and, and and he needed a big drive late. He delivered, yeah. and uh, and then you know the touchdown run to take the lead. It was just it, it was it was impressive. Yeah. To yes, watch. it was. There's it, a lot of good football played last week, and again, uh, both our conferences are doing very well, and. Uh, you know, usually by this time, we you know kind of have almost halfway through the season, and we have a, you know, we have about four or five teams from each conference that we're looking at right now. There's only about four teams in both conferences that you can eliminate total, because mm-hmm. uh, everybody is still in this in this in this race, and uh, there's a lot of good football left to be played. But everybody's, both the ACC and the Pac-12 are doing well. They are doing well. We still have four teams in each league undefeated, and. Each league has six teams ranked in the top 25, so it's kind of going to be fun. So you're telling me that there are 12 teams from the ACC and the Pac-12 in the top 25 That's right now. That's correct. That is, uh, that is unbelievable. Of course, that 12 includes Notre Dame because they are part of the ACC, you know, when it comes to football or, you know, part of our, our selection process. So that is, yeah, there are 12 teams out of 25. Almost half the teams are coming are from the Pac-12 or the ACC. That's fantastic. And that'll be great for our, for our game come, uh, come December 29th. It really will be. I mean, every, there's so many teams having good seasons. And remember, Clemson is only 3-2. and two. This could also be the year that Clemson positions themselves for a shot at coming to the Tony the Tiger Sun. I think they'll be somewhere in there. They're not what they used to be. Right. Uh, and, you know, they're struggling a little bit. And they could fall into our, in, you know, into our pool of teams yeah. that, that will play. A 7-5, and 8-4 and four Clemson team could absolutely be in the running for you. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, we have a celebrity guest picker, don't we? Yes, we do. Why don't you handle the introductions very, on this individual? Very oh, got his own sports network over here. You know, long time uh, part of the part of the trio with the you know minor radio as well. Mondo Monster Medina is going to be our celebrity picker. And by the way, he does have his own network. You're right about that. The El Paso Sports Network. That's correct. Congratulations on that. Welcome back to the show. Uh, who also handles the sidelines for UTEP football games? What's going on, Monster? What's going on, fellas? How you feel today? We feel all right. How was how was Dallas? You know what? Dallas was good. Our Cowboys won. That's all that matters. And Bernie's absolutely correct. It's football season, not baseball season. <laughs> I mean, although did the Rangers? I think the Rangers made it right. I mean, there's some controversy with Houston. I, I keep up a little bit, but no, the game was awesome. The Cowboys won. You know, Belichick was sad on the sidelines, and you know, for another week, Cowboy fans are happy because Dak didn't throw an interception. But it was great. It's awesome. 
You know, actually, before we get to the picks, true story, it's only the, I think, the second or third time ever of all the times I've been out there, and Cap, you're with me a couple of times, that uh, I've actually seen the Cowboys win a game in person. Usually they lose, so usually I'm the bad luck, but this time was a different situation. That's good. What uh, what jersey did you wear to the game? Uh, would you like to take a guess? I wore, because uh, I, 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 it was a dilemma, believe it or not. I didn't know if I should wear a Zeke one because they're going to honor Zeke. I didn't know if I should wear a Prescott one or a Romo one. Which one do you think I wore? Between Zeke, Prescott, and Romo? Yes. Knowing you? Yes. Ooh, that is tough. I'll say you showed up. Uh, I'll say you showed up with, uh, I'll throw a curveball. I'll say you showed up with Romo. Damn right I did. That's my quarterback, <laughs> Antonio Romo. That's exactly what I did. But you know what? It was always, I, I, it was awesome. I saw a lot of people wearing the, the Zeke stuff. So, you know, it was a great time. You know, uh, like I said, always impressed to be out there at AT&T uh, Stadium. And, Steve, it's funny, funny fact. A lot of people don't realize this. Me and Steve went when they first opened it. They were doing the tours, except we didn't get the, the field tour that everybody gets. We got the electrical tour where they have all the equipment and things of that nature. That's so right. That's the a, that's a tour we got. Me and Steve got. We didn't get the... The one we get to the the luxury boxes and the field, so but yeah, you know, it was awesome. Do you remember what was happening on the field while we were oh, doing yeah. the radio show? Yeah, I remember we were doing the morning show back then, and then Jay Leno was going to go on live with uh, Jerry Jones, and uh, I think Bernie, if I if I they were, they were having like a, a concert, like they were having the concert the night before or something like that, so they were just so they had taken off the the, the field or the turf. And they were just putting together, I think, the end zone up until the 20-yard line. So when Jay Leno did the interview with uh, Jerry Jones, they would have that shot uh, for the camera of the stadium. I remember that. It was going to be a Star Wars concert. Remember that? They were going to have there the music of Star Wars on the field. That, so. I, I was pretty close, though. Yes, you I are. remember. You are. Yep. You, talk, you talk about tours. Uh, you know, lucky for me, the Cotton Bowl offices are in AT&T Stadium. And my good friend Rick Baker, the executive director of the Cotton Bowl, we went visit him one time, and we got we got the super duper VIP tour. They nice. individually they took us everywhere, all, all the way down into the Cowboy cheerleader dressing rooms. Really, all the way into well, into well, Jerry well, Jones's well, box. All the way we saw everything. He took us hmm. around everywhere, which was pretty cool. That is an impressive stadium. So then, when are we going next time, Bernie? You and I and your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as Monster hurled, uh, heard the words "cowboy cheerleader dressing room," he perked up a little bit on this I show. How about that? You know, they're I mean, better. I, I, they, I have, they have, they, you know, they have more amenities in that dressing room that the Cowboys have in theirs. I'm sure they do. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's uh, an incredible stadium. Um, we're going to be picking games here in a minute, Monster. We yes, do sir. this every yes, week. Sir. It's the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sunball Selectum Contest for week six. Bernie, wait, what wait, happened wait, to wait, you? Wait, wait, wait. Let, yeah. me, let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you real quick. Where's Adrian now? Let me say hi to Adrian. What's Adrian, up, what's Monster? Up, How's it going, man? There you man? go, baby. Oh, we got to respect you, my man. Get, Thank you. Got to get you in this conversation. <laughs> All right, now go ahead, Steve. I apologize. Adrian will pick against you anyway. Don't worry about that. He's going to be making his picks like the rest of us do. And by the way, Adrian, how many picks did you get right last week? Seven. Seven to ten. Adrian went seven out of ten. I went eight out of ten. And let's go. Let's go this week. All right. How many did you get out of ten, Bernie? <laughs> <laughs> it was an off week. It was just like the American Ryder Cup team. Just had an off week. That's all. Ah, Bernie. Great, great comparison. Doesn't Love even it. want to mention how many that games. Is uh, I, I will say this. 
Bernie right now is in the lead in terms of buying lunch after the season is over. A lot of football Ooh. left, a lot of games left, but yeah, you've got some you've got some ground to make up here, Mr. Olivas. You know, I was in the hole just like our American team after the first round when we were down four zero. I lost on by Friday by Friday night I was already two down. Yeah, you are. That's true. You're you're equating the Ryder Cup to you picking games. I yeah, like that. I'm a big golfer, so uh Yes. Yeah, that that that, that hurt a little bit. All right, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start it off picking a couple games, and we'll play trivia, and then we'll come back for the remainder of them. So, uh, Monster, here's how this works. We go through 10 right. games, and we, we give you the spread only for entertainment purposes only, not for any picking. You're going to just pick straight-up winners, but we'll give you the spread for reference points as well. And we'll kick it off right now in the ACC with 2-3 and three Boston College visiting Two and two Army. This one will be played at West Point, um, home uh, of uh, the Golden Knights, who are three point favorites over BC. Monster, as our celebrity uh, picker this yes, week, sir. you get first shot at uh, telling us who's going to win this game and why. I will take Army just because we're playing at home. Okay, good reason. I like that. That's hey, that, you know what? That's uh, that works for me. Bernie, what about you? You know, that's one good reason they're playing at home. But Boston College is struggling a little bit. They're with their one and two. They're not what I thought they were going to be. I'm going with Army. All right, Army, it is uh, your turn, Adrian. Yeah, Army is going to make their transition to the American Athletic Conference soon enough, uh, and they're going to be ready for it. They're a good team. They dropped uh, last week against the Syracuse Orange, but I got them bouncing back this week. All right, I will also take Army. So we are all in agreement with game number one, taking Army over Boston College. Game number two, this is going to be a good one. We've got UCLA hosting Washington State, what a season it's been so far for Wazoo. They are 4-0, and 1-0 in the Pac-12. UCLA is 3-1, and 0-1 in the Pac-12. And despite the records and everything else, um, the 13th-ranked Cougars are three-and-a-half-point underdogs, Bernie, to the UCLA Bruins, who will host this one at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. My pick? Your pick. You know, I went. I did this last week where I picked all almost every visiting team and mm. did not fare well. But I'm going with Washington State anyway. They're good. Uh, they are. They're very good. They can put a lot of points on the board. I really like them. UCLA has been off. Uh, they didn't play last week, so they should be ready. They've had a couple of weeks to prepare. Uh, but I still think Washington State is going to pull this one out. All right, so Washington State on the board with the Bernie. Your turn, Adrian. Give me UCLA. Both these teams had the bye week last week. Uh, Utah, that game was bad. The Bruins looked awful. 14-7 was their loss in that game. Uh, They have to bounce back offensively in this one to show some sort of identity. Give me the Bruins. This is a competitive Pac-12 right now. It really is. And by the way, Washington State has been so good. They beat Colorado State on the road, and they've had three home games in a row. Knocked off Wisconsin, knocked off Northern Colorado, and then they beat Oregon State in the big one. So the Cougars are for real. But I'm like you. I like UCLA in this one. I think that this will be the toughest road test Washington State has faced so far in this early part of the season. I'll go Bruins for the win. And now it's your turn, Monster. Uh, We're going to find out if Wazoo is real or not, so I'm going to take Wazoo to win this game. 
Ah, I like it. So we are we are split right in half on this one. That is exactly the way I want to go to get things started. Two games in, eight to go. We'll keep this moving with Mondo the Monster Medina in just a little bit. But before we do that, let's get a little trivia question uh, going out right now and give somebody the chance to win a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. All right. I think this is kind of a layup. So have your phones ready, guys, because uh, guys and gals, because uh, I think you'll catch this one pretty quickly. Did you know that there have been over 1,300 players who have played in the, in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game that have been drafted into the NFL? Over 1,300 players. Of the following current NFL players, current NFL players, which played, which of these played in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl football game? One, Aaron Jones. Two, Christian McCaffrey. Three, Kenny Pickett. Or four, Cam Akers. Which of those actually played in the Tony the Tiger Sumble? Good question. All right, multiple choice. First person in with the correct answer at 505-6009 wins the tickets. Back with the monster. We'll keep things moving right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. The Tony the Tiger Sunbowl watch with special guest prognosticator Mondo the Monster Medina. We got a winner on trivia, by the way, during the break. Congratulations to George Galindo. Uh, who knew the answer, and it was not Aaron Jones, it was not Christian McCaffrey, and it was not Cam Akers, which means it was only one player left that played in the game, and that is uh, Mr. Kenny Pickett. And a nice job by George getting that right. Interestingly enough, of the other three, two actually could have played in the game but did not. The only one that didn't do it, Bernie, was Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones played in the Sun Bowl many times, but not in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl football game, as we all know. Uh, and uh, like I said, Christian McCaffrey was the one who started the opt-outs of players. He was the very first one for Stanford. And then Cam Akers announced that he would be skipping the Sun Bowl to enter the 2020 NFL draft. So uh, Kenny Pickett uh, did play, wound up losing that game, but uh, but has a tr- had another tremendous career and was uh, drafted, and now he's uh, he's playing very well for the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Yeah, that's very true. So good question, good answer. I like it. Didn't take long. By the way, a belated congratulations to Pinky. I believe Pinky won our last pair of journey tickets last week. Did he not, AJ? Yeah, that's I never, exactly right. And I never congratulated him. I feel bad. Yeah, we had some other uh, people out there who suggested there were five singers possibly uh, in, in journey, so there was a little uh, confusion there. But no, Pinky was the first one who got all the singers right. Not lead singers. Let's put it that way. There's Correct. been four lead singers, and that's what we were looking for for that particular question. Uh, Mondo, you going to the Journey show here uh, next March uh, out there at the Pan Am Center? Dude, I didn't even know they were coming. <laughs> You're too busy with high school football. You're too busy. Well, I'm too busy with everything else going on. It'll be UTEP basketball at that point. But uh, who, who's going to be the, the lead singer? Is Perry coming back? No, nah, nah, that's the rumor, but nothing's been confirmed. No. Well, no. if Steve Perry's coming back, I might have to make uh, an exception and go watch Journey. There you go. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to stop believing that he's not coming back. See what I did there? I what like I that. There? Good move. There Mondo. you go. Good move. There you go. All right. You ready to get back into these games? Let's do it. In fact, Adrian will lead us off into game number three, and that is number five, Florida State, hosting Virginia Tech. Now, uh, the Hokies are two and three. 1-0 in the ACC. Virginia Tech is ranked fifth. I mentioned that earlier. Undefeated, 4-0, 2-0 in the ACC. It's uh, at uh, Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. 
And Adrian, uh, Florida State, a comfortable 23.5-point favorite. Yeah, and this is no question whatsoever. Give me the fifth-ranked Seminoles. Uh, They've got one of the best wide receivers in the country, uh, by the way, Keon Coleman. So if you've got this game on, look for number four. He's a dude. I will agree with you about that and everything else. I will take Florida State. Amando, your turn. I can't go against Florida State. Come on now. Florida State's going to win this game. And Bernie. You know, Florida State's ranked number five. They're playing at home. Uh, they got a lot to play for now. That You know, they're just a couple spots out of the playoffs. Don't know if they're going to get there, but I think they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready for every game this year. So, Florida State. All right. That takes us to our next game, also staying in the ACC. It's number 14, North Carolina hosting Syracuse. Good game here. Syracuse 4-1. and one. North Carolina's 4-0. and oh. um, This will be in Chapel Hill at uh, Keenan Stadium. And uh, North Carolina... Eight-point home favorites in this one. I'll lead this off. Syracuse has been fun. They've been a pleasant surprise. I didn't think they'd be 4-1 at this point. However, North Carolina, very good football team, especially at home. I am a big fan of Drake May and what he's been able to do, although they uh, need to cut down on the interceptions and and get the ball in the uh, end zone a little bit more. We'll see if that happens. I'll take North Carolina. Mondo to win this one over the Cuse. I will go against you. I will take Syracuse in the upset. I like it. Bernie. You know, Mac Brown won, it, won his 100th game at North Carolina last weekend, and he becomes the only coach to ever win 100 games at two different schools. Obviously, he won like 100, somewhere around 158 in Texas, and he's going to get uh, number 101 this weekend. All right. So, Bernie, also going North Carolina. Your turn right now, Adrian. Yeah, no question about it. Give me the Tar Heels. All right. Next up, uh, let's uh, go. Uh, did I pick North Carolina? I uh, Yeah, I started that off. Okay, good. Now we got Mondo. Back to Mondo. Clemson, Wake Forest. We'll talk about that next. Clemson's 3-2, and 1-2 and two in the ACC. Wake Forest is 3-1, and 0-1 oh in the ACC. The game is going to be at Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina. And, uh, yep, the Tigers are 21-point favorites, Monster, over Wake Forest. Yeah, I'm going to take the Tigers in this one. Yeah, definitely. Clemson, all the way. All right, Bernie. You know, Clemson is not what they used to be, and Wake Forest is really coming up strong. They're becoming somebody to deal with in the ACC, but they're not quite there yet. I'm going with the Tigers and Clemson. Clemson it is. Adrian? Yeah, no question. Clemson figured things out last week. They're going to translate it again this week. We are unanimous. I am also taking the Tigers uh, in this particular game. All right, moving right along. It's Colorado and Arizona State. This game will be a Saturday 4.30 game on the Pac-12 network. Colorado, winless in the Pac-12, 3-2 overall. Arizona State, winless in the Pac-12, 1-4 and four overall. Out there at uh, Mountain America Stadium in Tempe. And Bernie, Colorado finds themselves four-point road favorites. You know, I thought that they were going to have the same type of game that they had the previous week against Oregon. And uh, I tell you what, they, uh, they came back from a long way down to, to come very close to USC. I think they're going to go back on the winning on the winning track here, and I'm taking I'm taking the buffs over Arizona State, even though they're on the road. All right, your turn, Adrian. There are a lot of great quarterbacks uh, who are coming into this year's NFL draft. Uh, my favorite being Caleb Williams. Drake May is right behind him. We just talked about him. Michael Penix out of Washington, but Shador Sanders, what he's doing week in and week out, he's one of the top guys in my opinion. Give me Colorado in a bounce back victory. That makes three of us. I'll go Colorado to win as well, which means Mondo, we're Back to you again. Man, you know that Coach Prime ain't going to let that team lose three games in a row. Colorado all the way. Prime time, baby. 
All right, prime time it is, which tends us to the 5.30 Saturday game. Notre Dame and Louisville. Looking forward to this one. Notre Dame, 10th in the country right now. Taking on 25th-ranked Louisville at Cardinal Stadium. The Irish, 5-1. and one. Um, Louisville, 5-0. and oh. Notre Dame, 6.5-point road favorites, Adrian. This is a tough one. I I tossed on this one, but I'm sticking with Sam Hartman. He won me a big one last week with Duke. I picked him last week. I got to pick him again. I loved his post-game interview as well, rushing for 16 yards on fourth down, uh, the way he did to save that game and keep it alive. Give me Notre Dame. Back against the wall last week. They got it done. They'll get it done this week on the road. I picked Duke last week. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I think that Louisville hasn't played necessarily the caliber of competition that would make me feel good about winning this football game so i'm with you i'll say notre dame got the big win they'll keep it rolling and they'll uh, give louisville their first loss of the season mondo i'm gonna do up that special baby louisville's gonna win this game ah louisville winning at home and uh, your turn bernie this is the game that i really really took me a long that's the last one i picked i skipped this one over and kind of looked at it and looked at it and uh you know louisville's undefeated and uh they're playing some pretty good football uh, we'd love to have him here one of these days in the Tony Tiger Sun Bowl, but I, uh, I'm going with the old Fighting Irish Notre Dame on the road. All right. Well, we've got three to go. Let's get right back to it. ACC, Saturday, October the 7th, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. We'll have number 17 Miami hosting Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech's 1-1 in the ACC, 2-3 and overall. Miami is 17th in the country, 4-0 on the season. It's their first conference game. From Hard Rock Stadium uh, in Miami, the uh, Hurricane, 21-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I'll uh, get this one started, guys, and uh, go from there. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't really think this is going to be that much of a game either. Miami, favored by three touchdowns. I think they win this one uh, going away, Mondo. Yeah, I agree with you, Cap. I think the Hurricane's going to run away with this. Uh, Plus, I'll be there in a week and a half, so I'm going with Miami. (laughs) All right. <laughs> um, Miami, it is. Bernie? I think this is the, the lock of the week game. I think Miami by a lot over Georgia Tech. And Adrian? Yeah, that's exactly right. Give me the 17th ranked U. Two to go. We'll start it back, and now we're going to go back to the Pac-12 for these last two games. This one has a chance to be pretty intriguing. It's number 15, Oregon State, visiting Cal. Cal's three and two overall, one and one in the Pac-12. Oregon State's four and one overall, one and one in the Pac-12. Um, it's in Berkeley at Cal Memorial Stadium. Oregon State eight and a half point favorites. Monster. Uh yeah. I mean, you know, I've been doing the the upset guys. I've been going for them. Uh, Cal, you know, they're at home, things of that nature. But I'll take Oregon, Oregon State to win this game. Oregon State, Bernie. I'm with I'm with Mondo. Um, Number 15, Oregon State over Cal. Cal's still still not there yet. Adrian, can Cal pull off the upset? No, I don't think so. Give me the Beavers on this one on the road. All right. We're all Beavers this time around. We're all picking Oregon State to win on the road. Finally, Arizona visiting number 9, USC. Another lopsided game here. Arizona's 3-2 and two overall, 1-1 one one in the Pac-12. USC, 5-0, and 3-0 oh, and oh in the Pac-12. Uh, it's at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum and USC 21.5-point favorites, Bernie. This is another another lock, I think. Uh, I saw Arizona play against UTEP uh, 
wasn't super impressed with them. They have no quarterback, or at least they didn't that night. It looked horrible. USC is going to be at home, ranked number nine. It's, uh, it's the Trojans all the way. Adrian! Arizona is going to fight to try to become bowl eligible this year, not to beat the Trojans. Uh, Washington right now is seven. Oregon is eight. USC is nine. The Trojans want to be ranked higher, and I think they show the country why they should be ranked a little higher this week. All right, I'm with you. I say Trojans winning this one with it relative ease. Monster, any upset here? No, not, not at all. I saw Arizona up close and personal at, like Bernie did with UTEP. I mean, real up close and personal. And I was not impressed with them one bit. I'm going to take USC. They're going to roll them. Okay. Tiebreaker, total number of points scored during the Notre Dame-Louisville game. Adrian, you have the honors first. What total are we going with? I put 59, so I'll stick with it. You'll go 59. I will go 62. Monster. I would go 51. 51, and Bernie? I went 65. Oh, Bernie went high. All right. Went a little high. 65 it is. All right. Uh, Mondo, you feel pretty good about your picks? I think. uh, I do. I like what you did. I like the fact you went a little upset special on some of these. Yeah, keep it different. I mean, you know, honestly, when you look at all these matchups, it's going to be a lot of uh, the favorites winning it. So sometimes you got to root for the underdog. There you go. Mondo, no games this week for you, for UTEP. You get to focus on high school football, then you hit the road to Miami next Wednesday. There you go, boys, exactly. So, big, uh, big week, as Adrian knows, big week of high school football coming up Thursday, Friday. And, yeah, I get to uh, enjoy a Saturday. Actually, every Saturday in October I get to enjoy because UTEP only plays on Wednesdays this year in October. Pretty crazy when you think about it, huh? What are you going to do with your Saturdays off this month? Uh, you know, that's a very good question. Uh, I took advantage of them having the bye week, went to the Cowboy game. Uh, if if I know Green Bay is playing in Vegas, but I think that's a Monday night game. So I don't know. I'd have to look at the schedule to see when Green Bay is possibly playing during the week and maybe go see Aaron play if he gets to play. You know, so I don't know yet. I mean, but I'm gonna enjoy it. Have you been to Vegas yet to see a Raider game? No, I have not. That might be a that might be a good up good game plan for this week. I like that idea. A lot, yeah, but I, but I know they're playing on a Monday night. They are uh, against against Green against Green Bay. So we'll see, we'll see. But All right. it, it will be nice. Well, promise me this: if you don't go to the Green Bay game in Vegas, come join me at the Ale House instead Monday night. You got it, brother. I'll do that for you. All right, appreciate you joining us as always, Mondo. Thanks for taking time, and good luck to you this week. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks, Bernie and Adrian. We'll see you, brother. Hey. Nothing but love to all of you guys. Thanks, Mondo. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mondo. Good stuff. Mondo the Monster Medina joining us, our celebrity guest picker this week. We'll wrap things up with Bernie right after Adrian and this Sports Center update, bottom of the hour as we continue. Thank you very much. As we keep things moving right now with uh, Bernie Olivas here on our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. We haven't really talked about the standings. You, you touched on that earlier, but you know, you look at all these teams that are ranked, um, including Notre Dame, six in the ACC. We still have uh, quite a few undefeated teams, three in the ACC, actually four in the ACC. And there's four in the, in the Pac-12 as well. As a matter of fact, there's, there's only 22 undefeated teams left in FBS, and eight of those are from the ACC and the Pac-12. I tell you, we're, we're, our two conferences this year, and like I said, it might be the last Pac-12, Pac-12 season ever. Yeah. But they are, you got, I mean, you have uh, Oregon, USC, Washington, Washington State That's are right. still undefeated in the Pac-12. And you have Florida State, Louisville, Miami, and North Carolina still undefeated on the ACC. 
again, half of the teams that are ranked, or at least one, you know, 12 of the 25 teams, come from both conferences, six from the Pac-12, six from the ACC. And by the way, the ACC is 29-13 and 13 versus non, in non-conference game this year. So, And that's what we like because you know, you know that they're going to start dropping off because they're going to have to start playing against each other. Yeah. But as of right now, non-conference-wise, like everybody else's, they've done an incredible job. They've got the best record in, against non-conference teams. And like I said, normally we're down to about three or four teams from each conference that we're looking at right now. There's only about four teams from both conferences that, that are probably not uh, going to be eligible to play in the Tony Tiger Sun Bowl game. So it's, it's turning out to be a great year for us. So I encourage everybody to get out there, get your tickets early. There's still plenty of tickets available, obviously, but I'll tell you what, uh, if you can't win them here through our trivia, through our trivia or through our pick em contest, get out there and buy your tickets, and let's, uh, let's fill up that Sun Bowl Stadium on December 29th. When do you start to travel? Uh, usually we start the second week of October. I know I've got a couple of games that, uh, that I'm going to go see. I know there's one weekend where Duke, North Carolina, and North Carolina State are all at home on the same weekend. And that means I can catch three games in one weekend, uh, and catch, you know, actually one of them is a non-conference game. So I'll catch five teams. And obviously we want to go see, we don't start traveling until they get deep into conference play so we can catch two teams at the same time. You know, it's interesting. Other than Arizona State, Stanford uh, in the Pac-12, and then in the ACC, Virginia and Pitt, everybody's alive. That's exactly right. That's what I said. Two teams from each conference are out. Everybody else is is still in. Now, there's a few, you know, obviously there's a couple of teams that are going to be way above us. You know, I think a USC will be, you know, will be out of our picture. Uh, USC, you know, Florida State, North Carolina will probably be out of our picture. But everybody else is still, you know, is still very – very possibly could be here. Uh, hey, Louisville knocks off Sumble. Notre Dame. That puts them into a major situation. For Absolutely. Exactly. So I, I, I'm feeling great about the possibilities of, of who's going to come to this year, this year. And like I said, there's still a ton of possibilities uh, of t- teams that can come and play in the Tony Tiger Sumble. Maybe somebody that we've never seen before. You know, like a Louisville's never been here. A Syracuse has never been here. Obviously, a Cal's never been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado has never been here. You know, Colorado... You know, every I think everybody covets Colorado right now, but but they've got to keep on winning. If they lose a couple more games, they might drop into our slot. So, still a lot of great possibilities. I want to mention something that also is a, a very cool story, and I know uh, you talked a little bit about this uh, on, on your website. How about the fact that you had a uh, a special donation made to the Sun Bowl? from a local veteran, and I think that's uh, pretty impressive. U.S. Army veteran Robert Jeske, who uh, wanted to uh, donate money to to cover the cost to restore a World War II military jeep and also wanted to allocate money for the Gold Star gaming teams to attend and enjoy the experience of the 90th annual Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game. You know, El Paso has been declared the the veteran capital capital of the United States, and we have formed a very special bond be- between the Sumble and veterans. And you can't believe how many veterans are coming out and helping us build floats at the warehouse. And, uh, and like I said, that, uh, it's a 1942 Jeep that is getting restored from almost nothing. Into, and we have a veteran work. You have veterans working on that, on that float. And thanks to, to, to Rob Jeske, who donated, donated the money to fix that uh, fix. It's going to be a beautiful. It's a beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful machine. I encourage everybody 
to come out to, you know, obviously to the Glacine Bicentennial Men's Summer Parade on Thanksgiving Day. But also, you know, the, the, Gold, Star, uh, the Gold Star teams are going to come and play in El Paso, compete in El Paso the day before the game. They're going to be special guests of the Sumble game uh, on December the 29th. So we have a lot of things going on, uh, especially with our veterans. So if you're a veteran, you know, come on out, support uh, all these kids, support all the veterans who are helping us out. And like I said, well, like I said, there's a special tie now between the, you know, the Sumble Association and veterans. So uh, we're very proud of that. Also want to announce that the Peter Piper Pizza, Sun Bowl, Punt Pass, and Kick will be a week from today. In fact, it's going to get started uh, right around the time we have our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch, which means we might be uh, looking to shift a little bit next week potentially because this is a big one. All the kids get to come and be a part of this. And uh, listen, uh, you know, 6 to 15 years of age, it's a free event. Bernie, one of the more uh, exciting ones, especially to find out who uh, can throw uh, and kick the farthest. You know, from 8 to 15, absolutely free. Go to any Peter Piper Pizza and, you know, and sign up there. Or you can come to the Sun Bowl on that day. Just need a copy of your birth certificate or a government, a government issue ID. No cleats are allowed, all right? And anybody, any boys and girls from the ages 8 to 15, come on out, enjoy kicking, throwing, punting the ball. And the winners of each division will get the ride on the float in the parade, and they will also be recognized at the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game on December 29th. Excellent. You want more information, sunbowl.org, and they've got links to sign up. And uh, before you know it, you can be part of the Peter Piper Pizza Sun Bowl punt, pass, and kick next Tuesday. Great stuff as always. Good to see you. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again with you right back here next week. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adrian. Enjoyed it. We did as well. Bernie Olivas with our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. Come back to wrap up hour number two as we continue. Still to come. Going to get a chance to talk to Nelson and Juan from Tex-Mex Coins. They're going to be joining us here at the top of our 6 o'clock hour. But before we uh, join them, hey, I want to tell you that uh, a lot of uh, different real estate agents will tell you what they can do when it comes to buying and selling a home. But you know what? You need that trustworthy, experienced, and effective agent who will get you top dollar for your home. You got to talk to my friend Brian Birds. You know why? Results, results, results. He always takes care of business. In fact, he did it with Corey. Corey thought about selling her home, and she knew Brian because he was the very agent who helped her buy it 17 years ago. Brian's team listed her Northeast El Paso gem for $197,000, and just like that, the deal was in motion. In just a few days, her home was under contract for over-asking. It's all about a lifelong partnership with Corey and Brian Birds. Two decades strong and still counting. Now, folks, the market's changing, but you know as well as I do that when it comes down to it, you need options, you need strategies. That's what Brian does. Best options, top strategies to make the current market conditions work for you and make your unique circumstances a success. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos, the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. All right. Um, We wind up our number two with more baseball. In fact... Good to see that. You know what? This is one of the craziest streaks in sports. Can you believe that prior to today, the Minnesota Twins had lost 18 consecutive playoff games? 
Wow. Think about that for that's, a minute. That's crazy. I, how does that streak even uh, hold true? Do you know the last time they won a playoff game? I was 31 years old. October 5th, 2004 against the New York Yankees. Wow. Crazy, isn't it? That is really crazy, and it shows that right now they've got a good squad. They're going up against a quality team in the Blue Jays, and they, they get a big victory today to celebrate a milestone. Also shows you uh, a little bit of, you know, new uh, like, you know, we got new faces going on across the wild card so far. I mean, we're watching the we Diamondbacks do. right here take on the Brewers. I know they're in a 3-0 hold, but, uh, hole right now, but still, it's, it's interesting to see some of these new faces. I'll tell you what else. You imagine being the Tampa Bay Rays winning 99 regular season games and now being one game away from elimination thanks to this best of three format. They should be happy because remember, up until recently, it was a best of one wild card format. So at least they've got a shot to try to come back and beat the Rangers. But with Texas winning today, they now are really in the driver's seat. Because all they have to do is win one of the next two in Tampa, and they're moving on. And how about no one showing up in Tampa Bay? I mean, that's been the big talking point about that organization for a while, but you see it the first round of the playoffs when they need the fans the most. Tomorrow's another afternoon matchup for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's Evaldi on the mound for the Rangers, who's uh, an interesting pitcher in itself. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see who comes out on top tomorrow. I mean, it's, of course, the must win for the Rays in order to try to uh, even things up in this series. But for the Rangers, maybe they take it home uh, on the road in this one. Well, they need it in the biggest way possible. And, and you're right. I mean, again, 99 regular season wins. And you can't, um, you know, and, and you fall in your first game. Again, sloppy. And by the way, Jordan Montgomery, this is a, a solid, uh, solid starting pitcher. He was with the Yankees, with uh, St. Louis, knows how to win. And that's what he did. He won uh, in the postseason. And it's kind of embarrassing that Tropicana Field had 19,000 fans. Depressing, man. This is a first-round matchup in the wild card when, again, your team needs you the most. At this point right now, this is when your team needs you, and they weren't there to show up. So I'm, I'm disappointed in that fan base right there. I am too, and I was hoping that things would get better, but maybe they will for their next game. Um, I didn't even realize. Did you know that the Trop only holds 25,000 fans? Wow, no way. That's it? Only 25,000? I thought there was more of a larger capacity at Tropicana Field. But, you know, why you're telling me you can't put you can't put 25,000 in for a playoff game? Actually, the capacity is 42735. So, I see what I see what it is. So, in other words, 42,000 I see. So they had 25,000 um, they're claiming the capacity is 25,025. Did they redesign the field and, sh- and and just reduce capacity by 17,000 mm. fans? Possibly. I'm looking at it right now, Steve. The tickets today went for $33, which, by the way, uh, it's more expensive than the Twins matchup. You can get tickets as low as $7 for today's wildcard matchup. And in this Brewers-Diamondbacks game, Milwaukee was send, uh, selling tickets for as low as $22 today. Amazing. Amazing. By the way, so the stadium's capacity, Capacity is 42,735, but that includes the 300 level of the stadium, which is covered by a tarp and unoccupied for all but a few games or when the Rays are in the playoffs. That's why the capacity drops to 25,000. So, oh, okay, that makes sense. It is the smallest stadium in Major League Baseball, but come on. Keep up more than 19,000 fans in to watch a playoff baseball game when you just won 99 regular season games. It kind of tells you what's wrong with baseball right now. It really does.
Yeah, I mean, you're having these tickets that are really low. I'm looking at tomorrow's ticket costs for this Rays game. Uh, as low as $27 right now out at Tropicana Field. It's like going to Southwest University Park on a Saturday night. This is and playoff action. And you're watching playoff baseball in St. Petersburg. I mean, I get it. It's a day game. But still, I mean, there's no reason why there should be 19,000 fans to watch a baseball game in the postseason. That's, that's crazy. And by the way, I remember it wasn't that long ago Everything was in the during the day for playoff baseball, and they used to have sellout crowds all the time. So, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you're a baseball fan, you find a way to go. So, yeah, that is surprising. But if you only have 19,000 fans in a half-empty stadium, you really don't have much of a home field advantage, do you? No, you don't, and I think that's what they face today. Uh, you look at the Rangers; they trade and they acquire Jordan Montgomery uh, this season. He goes; he gets to start on the mound for them today and wins. Glass now didn't look very well, uh, good yeah. at all today, Steve. And uh, I, w- I want to see what happens tomorrow as the Rays are kind of backed against the wall, needing a needing a game desperately. I'm interested to see that as well. Two hours down, one to go. The guys from Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso are with us in our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, uh, Schoolyard Sports Studios. We will meet them next and hear their story as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Start our final hour here on Sports Talk. Adrian, look what happened during the Dallas Cowboys update with Christy Scales. Corbin Burns had a three-run lead, and just like that, Corbin Carroll and Kettle Marte just erased that deficit with two swings. Yeah, I love the the swing by Marte because he uh, admires the swing. He looks at it and he's like, wait, 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 this is going out of here? And it did. It was like back-to-back pitches for home runs for the Diamondbacks. It's all tied up. I love playoff baseball. Pretty impressive, really, when you think about it. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to be talking a lot of baseball uh, over the next few weeks during the postseason. But as promised... We've got uh, the team from Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso here with us, Nelson and Juan. Uh, they are located on the west side of El Paso. In fact, if you have not had the opportunity yet to drop by the store, 6515 North Mesa Street is where they're located. Um, hang on one second. Oh, I think we uh, – is it 6527? Hang on. Uh, hang on. Just just correct me right now. Let me know what, what, what the address is. <laughs> the address is 6517 North Mesa. Oh, that's what I said originally. 6517. Oh. Yes. Okay. What's the suite number? Uh, there's no suite number. Okay. So you're just 6517 North Mesa. We have two huge f- signs in front of our store. You can't miss it. You do. In fact, I read the address right off the website. So that's awesome. a good sign. We did that. Guys, welcome to the program. It's good to see the two of you here and uh, appreciate you being here. This is the first time we've ever had coin dealers in uh, in our sports talk studios, but I've done so much on sports cards and memorabilia uh, over the years. I want to include uh, coins in this because uh, coins really, it, it's both of your passion, but I've noticed something. Juan, Nelson, you're both sports fans. You follow things also, and yeah. it's all about just uh, collecting, isn't it? That's really what it gets started. Yeah, it's about a hobby. You know, when we were we were all kids at one time, <laughs> I'd like to think. And when I was 10, I, um, I started collecting uh, baseball cards and coins. Baseball cards were my first love. So I was fortunate enough in New York to have a local dealer that was a national dealer. So he elevated me from a lower level. I was already a high-level dealer by the time I was 15, 16 years old. What years are we talking about here? 1979 through 1985. So in those years when you were collecting, 
baseball cards had already grown to a national level. It wasn't like it was regionalized like it was when people were kids growing up. No, it was big time. It was national. There were national shows, and there was there were dealers that were looking for big, uh, rare cards, and I was fortunate enough to have some of them. How did coins get into play with you? How did that happen? My grandfather, when I was 10, gave me a small little cufflinks box, and it had about it had 16 coins in it, which I still have to this day. So you even remember the nu- the exact number of coins that were in that box? Yeah, and they were all worn out. It was a Morgan dollar, a half dollar, some quarters, and just random stuff. And, um, you know, I'll never sell those coins. Well, no, it means it, there's so much sentimental value, and, and that's what got you started in the hobby, too. That's what got me started right away. So I started ordering from catalogs and away we go. Was your grandfather a big coin collector or were those just special keepsakes that he put away over the years and wanted to share those with you as a kid? He just wanted to give me his grandson a nice little bunch of coins. Had nothing to do with monetary value. It was was just a special thing and I'll always treasure those coins. Now, Nelson, uh, have you been collecting ever since? Did you take a break? Uh, How did things uh, lead into you staying with the hobby to the point where you and Juan, who we'll we'll meet in just a moment, uh, opened up Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso? Yeah, it it grew. You know, we started, I started ordering uh, coins in a catalog because I wasn't near a coin store. And then when I got, when I turned 19, then I stepped it up a little bit. And then gradually every decade, I was learning more and more and more about it. And then I started learning that it's a great investment too. So buying bullion is a good way to hedge against the rest of your portfolio. And then of course, numismatically, which means anything to do with coins that has nothing to do with bullion. Yeah. Uh, I got really interested in that and I, I was hooked. Now you had a regular job for many, many years before you got into this particular yes. position. Uh, what did you get a chance to do up until recently? I was an elementary school teacher for 20 years. Oh. So I, I, that's one of my passions. I love kids. And that goes back to when I was smaller and I had great teachers. And basically, you know, when you have education, you can do anything you want. And that's my stance on life. So that's why I decided to teach children. And you've also called into the show on occasion over the years. I have. Yes, I've answered some trivia questions or added some sports insight. There you go. And I, I just enjoy sports. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but I posted something on Facebook last month about a game that was a blowout game, but there was a lot of good sportsmanship, and there's a lot of things that people can learn from sports. Now, you've also, uh, in your spare time when you're not dealing with uh, coins and currency, you're a, a basketball official. Yes, I referee here in El Paso locally, high school. Um, there's a lot of great referees here. I really enjoy it. keeps me in shape, and it keeps me in touch uh, with student-athletes, and I really enjoy that thoroughly. How many years have you been doing that for? I've been doing that for about 30 years. Oh, wow. All right, great. So you're a veteran, uh, yeah. and, and at times you'll even travel out of town for tournaments, huh? Yes. Uh, recently I went to Las Vegas, and there was a national tournament for high school, and I was very, very lucky, and I was able to meet Kenny the Jet Smith. He happened to be there, and we talked, and it was it was an, an awesome thing. I, I the first time I ever watched him play was a was a big basketball game in New York City in high school, and he remembered that game like it was yesterday. And he was such a nice man, and I just wanted to say hi and shake his hand, and 
he gave me a lot more than that. And That's I was great. very uh, privileged to have talked with him for a few minutes. Was he coaching a team that you officiated against? Uh, I was on the, that was the next court. So he was waiting for that kid to play in another court, but he had observed me on the, the court that I was on, and it was a really rough game. I mean, it was a good game, but it was, it was really rough, and he kind of applauded how we refereed that game. By the way, as an as official that handles, you know, really youth basketball, okay, because when I see youth all the way up until, like, high school level, have you done college over the years too? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't had an opportunity to do. I've done a couple of scrimmages, like a half or two, but no, I've never done college. But if we talk about high school and we talk about AAU and some of those games, um, people don't realize this, but when games get physical and they get – I mean, that's that's a difficult type of game to officiate, isn't it? Because you have to decide very early on, do we let them play um, and, and let stuff go? Or do we try to set the tone early and make sure these teams realize that if they're going to play that way, there's going to be a lot of fouls called? Yeah, it, it's a balance. You know, it's it's good communication skills with the, with the players and the coaches. Once they realize you're serious, um, you know, you hope to have a very good partner and or partners if it's three-man. And you're able to try to control that because you don't want to take away from the game. You don't want to control the game to the point where they're not playing basketball. So it, it's a balance. I like it. So, again, now, um, when you're running a, a coin store with your partner, Juan, here in El Paso, a coin to currency store, do you still have the opportunity to officiate? Or have you found that with opening the store here uh, on the west side of town, it's, it's now a, a little more difficult because, you know, you spend a lot of time in the store? Yeah, I do, but we just opened up in May, so our first refereeing season, uh, it starts in a few weeks, and Juan's great. You know, he's a great partner. He's, uh, we help each other coin-wise and personally, and that's what helps the, the, the store really work. Well, Juan, tell me about yourself now. I just heard a lot about Nelson and his story about what's led him to this hobby and this business. How about for you? How did, how did you get started in coins? Okay, well, I started collecting uh, silver coins in our change. Every time we would go do our, our laundry on Saturdays, uh, we would always be looking through our change, and uh, we would be separating the, the silver quarters. It wasn't uh, collecting at the time, per se. It was just having the silver coins. Now, as I, as I got older, I started uh, getting interested when I saw, like, a standing Liberty quarter, which I had never seen before in one of those particular coins and uh ever since then then i saw the mercury dimes and it's like wow there's there's things out there that i had never seen before that i didn't even know really existed until i started collecting the, the, those particular silver coins uh i was probably about 15 when i started noticing that and when i started focusing okay i like to get at least one of each different type that uh, the U.S. has uh, done throughout its history. Did you grow up in El Paso? Uh, no, sir. I actually grew up in California, and I moved to El Paso here about uh, 21 years ago because I love the community here, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm now part of it for for the past 20 plus years. So tell me this: Why silver? Like you could have you could have picked up any kind of coin, and you know, you copper could have been something you were interested in or something else. What was it about silver that appealed to you as a kid? Well, the thing was the, the sound when you had it in your in your hand and you binged it with other coins. It was a distinguished sound. And, uh, you know, my mom and dad would tell me this is more than just a regular coin. 
uh, you know, because of the Silver Valley at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that, unfortunately, I did back there a lot was clean them to make them look nice and white, mm-hmm. you know, which later on I found out that it wasn't the best thing to do. So you're telling me that if you find a silver coin, leave it alone or polish it, don't clean it. Well, any coin, okay. any coin, not just silver, regardless of how bad that coin might look to you, yeah. if it's original, it's going to have a lot more value than if you try to pretty it up. That's it. So just leave them alone. That's interesting. It really is. So uh, the, the, the current shape it's in goes a lot farther than trying to fix those up and make them look nicer. Yes. Yes, sir. When did you get more and more serious? When did you realize this was something you wanted to do for a living as opposed to just being a hobby? Well, as far as for a living, I think of the last couple of years, I got to meet Nelson and we started talking about, you know, because we, we did both do uh, coin shows, mm-hmm. you know, and we did it as a hobby. And we talked about it and I go, you know what, it's, it's not a bad idea. I've been doing it as a hobby for over 20 years. And uh, I started selling coins as a, at shows about four years ago. And I really enjoy talking to people and sharing the little bit of knowledge that I have, especially like cleaning, not cleaning the coins. Yeah. And um, so it, it, it was a great opportunity uh, to get to know him, and, and we were able to meet and agree that it, it would be a nice thing to do for us. And the two of you met during coin shows. That's where you first had a chance to get to know each other. Uh, yes. Yes. Now, now Nelson uh, taught for twenty years. What was what was your day job uh, up until now? Well, I was all over the place. I did some real estate. I did some life insurance as well. Uh, I was a land surveyor for mo- most of my uh, adult life, and uh, then I got into the coin business. and And this is what we're going to do now, hopefully for the the rest of our yeah. our lives here, because we both enjoy it, and hopefully that that proceed. I love that. We're talking to Juan and Nelson right now from uh, Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso here on Sports Talk as we continue. All right, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk more about some of the nuances with with what's in the shop and what people have brought in because I'm so interested as people in El Paso continue to come and maybe show you what they have and if they're interested in buying or selling. We'll talk about that. Um, But you have a special trivia quiz you want to uh, announce right now and give somebody the opportunity to win one of the coins that that we've talked about. Yes, we were offering a one-ounce silver round for the person that will answer the following question. By the way, before you uh, say a one-ounce silver round, does that is that is exactly what it sounds like? That's it is exactly. silver. It is one ounce, uh, one ounce of silver, and it's round. Perfect, Steve. You couldn't have described it any better than you did. Are there any markings on the coin itself? Many rounds have different markings on them. We have a, a, a choice of a few at our store. So Excellent. If you're fortunate enough to answer the question properly, you can come to our store and you can pick it up. All right, let's throw that trivia question out there and give somebody the chance to win the one-ounce silver round, courtesy of Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso. All right, this is from Juan and I. Uh, what does a coin collector call the front of a coin? Hmm. That seems like something that if you're a coin collector, you'll probably know pretty quickly. Probably. What does a coin collector call the front of the coin? That's correct. All right. Good luck. First person in, 505-6009, will win the one-ounce silver round. As we continue, more with Juan, more with Nelson here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. That's our telephone number to get into the show, 505-6009. Let's go to Charlie Juan and get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk. 
back with the guys from Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso, Nelson and Juan. And uh, good job on the trivia quiz, guys. The phone lines lit up uh, during the break. And Adrian, it seems like Frank was our winner today. That's exactly right. Frank Gamboa was the one who correctly guessed this one correctly. And, uh, yeah, he was the first one in, but there were several others who guessed the correct answer as well. And if people were just listening and they don't know the correct answer, how do you uh, describe the front of a coin? It's called the obverse. It's just a fancy way of saying the front of a a fashion. So if the front of the coin is the obverse, what do you call the back? The reverse. Ah, oh, how clever. That is, that is <laughs> not great. rocket science. Um, let me ask you guys. So um, as, as our listeners uh, might imagine, I've had a chance to go into uh, Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso uh, since you guys opened. I, I love the store. And um, you guys have a, a website as well. So if you're interested, TexMexCoinsOfElPaso.com to learn more. Um, the store has coins that date back how many years, guys? How far back can we go with some of the coins or currency that's currently in the store? We go back to the, uh, 100 BC. We have ancients. Um, we have Greek coins, uh, Arab. Arab coins. That's a little newer, which means it's 1,000 years old. The Byzantine Empire, the Roman Empire. We have coins from Hadrian, Julius Caesar. So we go back, and uh, we're gaining knowledge constantly every week uh, about those coins because as of three or four years ago, I did not know very much about them. But this this industry causes you to really learn a lot of things about a lot of different coins. It's remarkable to me that something that was used as currency back in B.C. (laughs) is actually not only still around, but available for people to even take a look at here in El Paso and purchase if it's something they're interested in. Yeah, I'd like Juan to talk a little bit more about uh, the, the. We have a lot of Mexican coins, so he can elaborate a little bit on that. Tell me a little bit about that, Juan. Well, we have uh, the opportunity to uh, purchase and buy at uh, coin shows and some that people bring in from all over the world. Uh, you know, starting like with ancients, which uh, to me it's the way that I learned a lot more about history through the coins themselves. Uh, as far as like the. Mexican coins, I specialized in the collecting uh, Mexican coins, so I have a little bit more knowledge than, than most, but I still got a long ways to go. And uh, we're very happy to be able to share our knowledge across the board. Uh, and stuff that we don't know, some people might come in and enlighten us with their knowledge, and we really appreciate that. But our main goal is to share the knowledge so that people can buy coins and do it the right way so that it's not just about buying the coin because of the value itself, but doing it wisely so that later on in life they'll be able to save money in the process. Sure, and I'm sure that's part of the fun of collecting is when you do it, you buy it, you store it properly, whether it's cased or something like that. That way, if you ever want to pass it along to somebody or perhaps sell it if the time is right, uh, the coin will be in the same exact kind of condition it was when you purchased it. Yes, yes. That's one of the things we tell them to not touch the coins, leave them as they are. And if you ever find something, just leave it as it is. And uh, if you take care of your coins, uh, you're always going to do well, especially if you hold on to them long enough. You're not going to lose in this hobby. 
If anybody has a coin or currency related question, whether it's something you've had in your in your possession for years and you're interested to learn more about it or anything in particular and you want to ask these two, let me give the phone number out again, 505-6009, uh, if you would like to call in and have a question for Nelson or Juan, 505-6009, uh, as we continue. Now, Juan, how far back do the coins from Mexico that you have uh, date back? How 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 long do they go? Well, back? we we have some from the, I think it's uh, 1600s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the oldest one that we have. Obviously, uh, for those people out there that are not familiar, the Mexican mint is the first mint in the Americas. It was uh, established in the late 1500s, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, so we do have some. Uh, they're very few because they're very hard to come by. But uh, we're always looking out there to try to get some more and add to our uh, inventory. But uh, that's during the Spanish ruling of the Americas is the oldest ones that we have. And during that time, what were the coins made of? Most of them were made out of silver. Uh, Copper was used as well, but for the most part it was silver that was used for uh, a lot of the world trade, both in the Americas and in in, uh, Asia. I can imagine when people come in, and, and sometimes bring you collections, that's got to be the most fun. Because, <laughs> Nelson, you don't know what to expect, right? We Nothing. Get, and then all of a sudden, something comes in, and it just blows your mind. Yeah, we get once we get those once in a while. And, um, you know, we want people to feel very comfortable walking into our store. Um, whether they sell or not, we can give them, uh, of course, an honest appraisal. And give them information about the coins, and a lot. And we have some customers that are very knowledgeable, even more knowledgeable than us. So we just soak that in, and we we listen and we learn ourselves. Even though we both between both of us, we have a pretty vast knowledge of coins. Have you had any finds that have come in, and you and it just like the wow factor when you've seen something that somebody's brought in, you didn't realize anything like that even existed around here, and it just uh, completely blew you away. We've had the. Uh, a couple, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily finds because they, most of the time they know what they have when mm-hmm. it's something like that. But we've had the opportunity to see some coins that we thought we might never seen. And uh, so, yes, it, 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 it's very fun. It's very fun yeah. when, uh, when we do that. But uh, we're still looking out there for that, wow, that 1943 yeah. copper penny that everybody's searching. Hopefully they'll walk in our doors one of these days. All right, you've opened the Pandora's box. Adrian, do you know about the 1943 copper penny? I don't. Penny? I don't. That, <laughs> that intrigues me. Uh, it, it should intrigue everybody listening. All right, which one of you, Juan or Nelson, who will tell the story of the 1943 copper penny? I will. Um, and then Juan's going to tell it in Spanish because he's actually <laughs> been on uh, line. He They did a, a shoot where he gave information about the exact same thing in Spanish. I love it. So uh, without it, – it's not exact verifiable information, but basically these young guys found a copper sheet somewhere in 1943. Now, with those of you that are not familiar with coins, in 1943 they made them out of steel because they wanted to save – the copper for the war effort during World War II. So they pulled out a sheet and they belted out about 40 to 45. And they did it for fun. They didn't do it for any um, foul play or anything like that. They, they had a few each and then they gave some away. They spent some. Some of them were lost. So starting in 19, about 1945, they started popping up 
uh, in the populations of people's hands. They just randomly, you know, very randomly. So it, it was maybe two or three per decade. So by 1960, there was actually about they had located about 12 of them. And of the 45. Of the 45. And they were these dealers were getting ready to auction them off because two or three of the dealers knew each other. Mm-hmm. And they were experts in pennies, and they knew that they were made at the mint. The United States government sued them to try to get the pennies back. But then they lawyered up, and they won. They beat the government. They beat the government because the government couldn't prove that it was their coins because it was not a, a regular issue. Because these guys who found a copper sheet decided to stamp them with the pen. They were at the mint, right. and they decided to essentially custom-make pennies with yeah. their copper sheet. Yeah, they did it just for fun. They had no idea what kind of uh, situation they would create with that. So then uh, the last one was auctioned off four years ago in Philadelphia. So uh, yeah. that's the last one. So every few years, one goes up for auction. They can go anywhere from six digits to seven digits, depending on the condition of the penny. Unbelievable. So we're talking about what could be a million-dollar penny. It could be. Is that the holy grail of pennies? Uh, almost. There's, there, there are a couple that they only they made very few that are rarer, believe mm-hmm. it or not. But those are coins that you just don't see very so, often. So if you come across a 1943 penny, chances are 999 out of 100 or or, or whatever, it's going to be a steel penny. It's going to be a steel penny. It's either going to be really corroded or it's going to be really shiny because mm-hmm. in 1943 they had a problem. They made them out of steel. So what happened was we have skin oils. And when people started handling them, they started turning green and corroding. So they had to be all sent back to get reprocessed. And they put a glossy layer over it. But uh, original uncirculated examples can go for hundreds of dollars if it hasn't been reprocessed that is so in high grades. Have you both seen a 1943 copper penny? Uh Pictures, pictures, but uh, in person, no, uh, no, 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 but not uh, even at cards, not even at uh, coin shows, nothing like that. Uh, no, oh. those are very tough to come by. All right, uh, but hopefully someday. Adrian, let's check the pennies when we get home. See if there's a 1943 <laughs> uh, copper penny rolling around. We got to check that out, right? That's a great call. I have a question on uh, Twitter or X from one of our listeners. Enrique, I will ask your question to the guys in just a moment. But since it is 32 past the hour, let's get our final Sports Center update. Adrian is standing by with the latest. Adrian, thank you very much. We got Nelson Juan with us from Tex Mex Coins of El Paso. This question came in a little while ago from Enrique, who's listening to the show. He wants to know how common is it these days? For someone to find a rare penny that's worth good value, how often have you come across them? Uh, it's very tough because, as you well know, this is the coin that's mostly circulated and used. Uh, but every now and then, there's a couple that have uh, come from old collections that you can get them in, in real nice condition. Uh, we haven't come across too many, but a, a few have walked through our, our door that uh, are just like they were just minted yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. So, yes, it, it is possible, but uh, it's very tough, especially with the pennies. Now, if you're looking at silver coins, 
you tend to get those in better shape because people will put them aside and hold on to them versus the copper penny. So of all the common currency, I'm talking quarters, nickels, dimes, uh, and pennies, what would you say is the um, the, the most likely uh, of those uh, forms of uh, coins that you could encounter something that turns out to be more valuable than you realize in, in just your, you know, and people wouldn't even know they have it, but they might have, they might actually have something that, that's been circulated over the years. Uh, I would have to say quarters and half dollars because uh, pennies, people, that's the number one collected coin uh, in the United States because they're easy to collect. They don't cost a lot. And then by the time you get to the four or five really tough ones, you've amassed 90 to 95% of the collection. And you just have to spend a lot on those four or five coins. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people don't notice uh, the, the quarters, the Washington quarters, because they all look the same, the silver ones. But there were two in particular from 1932 that have a D or an S on the back of it. And they only minted about 400,000 of each, but those can get very lost. Um, I've had several people um, sell them to me, bring them to me, and they found them in common collections. Hmm. 1932. And 1932 DNS. Yes. Okay. It has a, a mint mark on the back of the coin. Now, what about currency? We've talked all about coins. What about the paper, uh, you know, currency like we've, like we see a lot around? Uh, is that something also that uh, people collect as much as they do coins, or is that a little more specialized one? Uh, well, a lot of people do collect that. Uh, most people that uh, we encounter and they bring in is whenever they find like a star note, which is an uh, consider a replacement note. Uh, they always. Uh, you know, they're under the impression that it's going to be worth a lot of money, uh, especially the newer ones. Um, they are, nowadays, they're more common than they used to be uh, because before, back in the days, they would be actually replacement notes. Now, it's my understanding that they actually make a few out there to keep the interest in the collecting business. You know, so uh, we don't see as much uh, people collecting paper money but and the people that do really specialize on it and they're very uh, well educated on it for the most part uh, i think the coins by far are collected a lot more and i think it has to do with the metal which is silver and gold uh, the precious metal content that lures people to collect coins more than paper money itself. I think so, too. Um, do each of you have, like, a favorite coin uh, that you've encountered over the years out of all the things you've come across? You just – it's a personal uh, it's a personal favorite for a variety of reasons? Yeah, I do. Uh, I have – we both have private collections, obviously. Um, my favorite coin is I have a half cent. So if people could believe it or not, they actually made half cents – so that means there had to be things that cost half a cent. They call it the Jefferson cent because Jefferson basically said a cent was too much, so they started making half cents. And I happen to have one in uncirculated condition that's red, and that's very, very rare that you see them. That it, it, it was like they just made it yesterday. What years were those from? I have one from 1834. Huh. Okay. And what year did they stop making a half cent? They stopped making them in 1857. Okay, so we're talking about a coin that is nearly 200 years old. That's correct. And it looks like it's almost uncirculated. When you look at it, it feels like it just came out. It's uncirculated. Love it. Juan, what about you? Well, 
like I said, my uh, specialties in the Mexican coins and my favorite uh, era was uh, Maximilian uh, time, which was in 1866 through 1867. So it's a very short series, very short-lived, uh, very hard to come by nowadays, uh, especially in in, uh, in good condition because, unfortunately, most of the older Mexican coins have been cleaned, uh, have been messed with. So uh, it's very hard to get something in a, an uncirculated condition that hasn't been uh, messed with. Uh, compared to the U.S. coins, you're able to get a lot better quality coins because I guess they've been collecting them for a lot longer and most people would take care of them and not clean them. So it's very hard, especially in that era, to get any coin that hasn't been cleaned. But yeah, it's a it's a very short series and it's a, by far my most favorite one. So if people are listening to this and they want to get involved, either learn for the first time or, or you just get a chance to come and talk to the two of you, you can make uh, you can you can come down uh, 10 o'clock in the morning until uh, either 4 or 6, depending on what day it is, correct? Yes. And that's uh, 6517 North Mesa Street, Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso. Or if you want to get the specific hours uh, and directions, TexMexCoinsOfElPaso.com. And I know you two are very excited because you're looking at getting uh, kids involved and maybe teaching uh, youngsters about coins uh, if they want to get involved for the first time. Kind of like the two of you when you both got started. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's one of the things when we got together we talked about, that uh, we would like to get the new generation involved because, unfortunately, for the most part, a lot of kids don't even know what some of the coins are or what their value is because everything's done now with the plastic. Uh, or on, Or online where they actually don't get to see the coins themselves. So us being collectors and, uh, you know, we love what we do, we would like to continue for this to uh, not just continue but to grow. So we'd like to get the newer generation involved and hopefully uh, keep this thing going for a long time. Long time. We're going to have a site. Um, next spring, we're going to think of a, a local place where we could meet and have monthly meetings. Um, of course, there's no fee. We're not trying to get. We're not trying to sell stuff or anything like that. We're just trying to get them interested in something that doesn't require them having their phone on them, and they can. It's tactile. It's fun. They can learn how to handle coins, and then they can pick the coins that they want to collect if they want to, you know, pursue the hobby. And that's. You know, I'm a, I, w- I was a teacher. Juan says he's not a teacher. He is. Um, he, he has a big heart, and we we care about our children because they're they're the ones that are going to carry the hobby forward. I agree with you. I'd like to take the time to mention that we are both members of the El Paso Coin Club, and uh, we do have some young people in there, mm-hmm. a couple of young kids, uh, but we would like to see if we can get something that's oriented towards kids alone so that uh, hopefully they're able to ask their questions and feel comfortable around us. But th- people are more than welcome to join our, our club as well. Maybe we can get an El Paso Kids Coin Club and, and call it the kids chapter of the coin club and do something like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we've t- we've dis- I've discussed that with the president, and he likes the idea. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. Listen, you've both been great. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you being here. And before we wrap it up, Nelson, I know you've got something you want to add. Yeah, Juan, go ahead and, uh, in Espanol, por favor. All right. Uh, nomás queríamos darle a saber al público que allí los podemos atender en español. Cualquier pregunta que tengan relacionada de monedas, billetes, americanas o extranjeras, con todo gusto se lo podemos contestar. Y si no sabemos la respuesta, 
lo buscaremos y con gusto le, se la daremos en cuanto la sepamos. Muchas gracias, Juan. De good. nada. Good, good, de way nada. To end, good way to end the segment, Nelson. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Guys, you. we'll talk and keep in touch uh, again yeah. soon. Maybe we'll throw some more trivia quizzes out there, which would sure. be great. But we appreciate you both spending time and being with us today. We, we, appreciate, we appreciate you. And before we sign off, we have something for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, you're, you're, you're going deep into the. You're giving me your you. keys. Thank you. <laughs> no. I mean, more. I can't wait to see what I get to drive home. But I'm excited about that, Nelson. Thank you very much, no, no. Adrian. He brought his whole key stack. I was I like, like, oh it. my god, his key's going to give me a key. That's really cool. A key to the shop. I hope it's a key to the shop. Oh, uh, something fell out of his pocket. It's okay. It's all right. It just means you have to come back, it's Nelson. Here. Oh, it fell. Okay. What do you have? All right. So this is from us. Tex-Mex coins of El Paso, a 2022 one-ounce silver Libertad. Oh, I love that. So that is their version of the American, the U.S. American Eagle. That's sort of their version of it. And it's actually uh, more in demand than our U.S. Uh, silver Eagle. It's beautiful, too. It really is. I love the design. This was, uh, so this was actually minted in Mexico. Yes. In That's 2022. Yes. Beautiful, guys. Thank you very much for that. It's really nice of you. We appreciate you having us on. I love it. I appreciate uh, having you guys being here. We'll get a chance to do it again. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Tex-Mex Coins of El Paso, folks. Nelson and Juan joining us here on the show. 44 past the hour. We'll come back. Final thoughts as we wrap it up next. 600 ESPN El Paso.